Amen. Thank you, Tyler, choir and orchestra, Brother John. Take your Bible. Let's go this morning to the 18th chapter of Acts. We'll begin reading in verse 1. We're making our way through the Acts of the Apostles during these uh, morning uh, preaching times and worship. And so we come this morning to the city of Corinth, and we find Paul leaving Athens, making his way to the city of of Corinth, and we'll be looking right there. But as Paul comes, he comes alone. And he's down and out. He's discouraged. Matter of fact, the text tells us he was frightened. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul afraid of anything? But fear gripped even this man's soul as it does many of ours from time to time. But we find great encouragement in this text of how we can overcome such lowness in our soul. We're in Acts 18. We begin in verse number 1. You follow along as I read because this now is the word of our great God. After these things, he, that's Paul, left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for, for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks but when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. Underline that in your Bible. I have. For I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. Isolation in a Christless culture can and often does lead to fear and discouragement. Paul is alone. We've seen that isolated spirit post-COVID in our culture where discouragement has become monumental both to pastors and to members in local churches because large numbers have quit. 
I talked to a family this week as I made my calls and reaching out and visiting. And said to me, Pastor, you know, we just stepped away and it got comfortable. But said, you know, it's just time for us to get back to the house of God. I said, well, amen. Come on home. We welcome you. When we get isolated as we were through that season, afraid to shake a hand or get within eight feet, we just got by ourselves. And when that happens, fear, discouragement can set in. And it happened to Paul. He's all alone in Corinth. He's come from Athens down to the seaport city of Corinth. <laughs> the last time I was in Corinth, I was sick, sick, sick. We had left Ephesus on a ship and come across the Aegean. And man, was it stormy. And the boat was up and down and left and right. And I was up and down and left and right. And everything in my stomach was just up. <laughs> it was a long night on the Aegean Sea. But we finally made landfall. Thank God we were not alone. But Paul has come to this city, not across the Aegean. He's going to go across, but back to Ephesus the other way in a couple of chapters. And we'll find him. But here he is come to this city called Corinth. It's an influential Roman city. It is a wealthy commercial hub. And it is the temple of Aphrodite. Immoral, prostitution, lewdness, drunkenness coming out of that false worship culture. One writer said that Corinth was the vanity fair of the Roman Empire. There was a theater there, 70,000 seats they uncovered. Huge sports arena where the games came. You know, the Olympics would find themselves in Greece later, but they were running and throwing at this time and jumping. And there they would come in those arenas, not only for theater, but also for sport. And Paul walked into this godless culture of Corinth. And he just walked around. All by himself. And we know he's afraid because the Lord told him no longer to get a, be afraid. He just was sinking low, broken, beat down. He needed a lift. You ever needed a lift? <laughs> We've all been there. Some of us are there this morning where we just need a lift. And Paul got his lift. In a night vision, Jesus came to him. And the Lord said in verse 9 to Paul, In the night by a vision, do not be afraid any longer. Amen. But go on speaking. And do not be silent, for I am with you. And no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Amen. God's got his people everywhere you go. And some of you are those in our city. God's got his people, many people 
in Corinth. And if he had many in Corinth, he has many in Pensacola today. Paul needed a lift. Maybe you need a lift today. I, I want to share with you how God lifted Paul. Number one, he said to Paul, remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. If you uh, are in a place ever broken down and just need a lift, remember the promises of God. Look at this promise in verse number 10. He said, for I am with you. Amen. God's with you. I don't know what you're walking through, but God's there. I don't know how sick you are, but God's there. I don't know how isolated you feel. I'm telling you, God is there. He never leaves you. You remember the Great Commission? He said, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the King James says, and lo, lo, I am with you always, even how long? To the end of the world. God's with you. He does not give up on you. In that great commission, Jesus was saying, as you go and as you live for me, you can bank on everything I have promised you because I rule every place where you will need these promises in days to come. He is sovereign God. You cannot go anywhere that God doesn't know you're going. You can't get any trouble he doesn't know you're already about to get into. I'm telling you, he is there before you show up and he'll be there after you leave. God is with you. Amen. Thank God for his promise. Claim it. There are hundreds of promises, thousands through the Scripture. But just the one I want you to see today where he said to Paul, I'm with you. I remember a few years ago I uh, had to have an MRI. And so I got to the hospital and they put me in a tube about this big. I see some of you have been there in that same tube. They stuff you down in that thing and close it up. I thought I was just going into here because it was my kidney and hips. But I was going all the way in. And when I got all the way in, I said, whoa! I, hey, 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 hey! And they rolled me back out. I said, you're going to have to knock me out if you're going to put me in there and shut the door. <laughs> I'll never forget that sweet lady who was running that machine. She said, uh, can you put your hand up above your head? I said, yes, ma'am, I can do that. I said, nothing wrong up here. She said, well, if you'll stick your hand up here, she said, it's not going to take very long. She said, I will stand here and hold your hand while we do this uh, procedure. I said, I think I can do that. And so I went in there, and she held my hand. All over that hospital for weeks to come, I'm sure she told the story <laughs> of a spineless preacher. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need need somebody with you. Amen. Well, I'm here to tell you when nobody's holding your hand, God is holding you in his hand. Amen. He's got you. He never leaves you. He is with you. 
Trust his promises. I'm here to tell you, never forget the promise of God. I am present. Amen. And as you walk and as you go and as you live, he will be with you. Remember the promises of God. Secondly, for Paul, when he needed a lift, he needed to learn to rely on the power of God. Notice what he said. I am with you. No man will attack you. Verse number 9. Do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent. Rely on the power of God. You can do it, Paul. Even when you didn't want to speak up, speak up. When you didn't want to preach, preach. When you didn't want to testify, testify. When you didn't want to live, live. When you didn't want to go on ministry, do it. How do you do that? Well, you don't just remember his promise. You rely on his power. Acts 1-8, you remember? Yeah. You shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest part of the earth. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you remember Romans 1 and verse 16 where it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the what? Power. It's the power of God's salvation. Everyone who believed, Jew, first, Greek, everyone that would believe the gospel is the power of God. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 9. And Paul said to these same people where he wrote that letter back to the Corinthians, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness most gladly. Therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the what? The power of Christ may dwell in me. Rely on the power, the power, the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ in me. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to the image of his death. Understand the power. The power. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. We get our word, of course, dynamite, where God is the power. When you can't, he always can. Amen. He comes back to the fullness of the Holy Spirit within you. So I ask you, as the preaching clock says 1140, Forty minutes after 11 on this Sunday morning, are you right now, 40 minutes after 11, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled? Let me tell you, friend, you, you must empty yourself. I share this uh, from time to time. I did it this morning over in my office. I do every Sunday before I walk over here. I stand in the corner. I shut the doors. Nobody's there, just myself. The Lord, and I raise my hands and I praise him for anything that I can remember at that moment. I just thank him for all he's done. And I put my arms out like this and I say, Lord, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Lord, I die to me, die to me, die to me. I, tell, I said, Lord, the biggest problem we're going to have in that worship service this morning is Ted Trailer. He needs to die. Get dead to Ted. I tell you, the last thing this church needs is a Ted talk. All right. And then I put my hands right here and I say, oh, God, come. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. He has promised an unction, a krishma, uh, an anointing, a filling. I sent this verse to a preacher friend of mine who's in low time in his life right now. I sent it to him this morning, 1 John 2, 20. I knew I was going to use this verse and preach about it. And I sent it to him. I said, I'm praying this verse to be on you, that, that you will understand the anointing that God has placed on your life. Friend, let me tell you, that verse is not just for preachers. It's not just for the pulpit. It's for the pew as well. 
There's an anointing when every believer, if you're saved and, and Jesus is in you, the Holy Spirit is within you, then the power of God is within you. And with that, you need to learn to pray. I want to invite you, not this Sunday night, but the following Sunday night to our Pray First. On the first Sunday night of the month, we're going to be out in the Corners building. I hope I don't have enough seats and people will be outside praying. I hope you'll come at 6 o'clock on that Sunday night and join me as we pray. If you're sick, we'll anoint you with oil. If you're here and you need us to lay hands on you, we'll do it. We'll cry out to God together. We're going to pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be upon us and that revival would break through. This coming Tuesday night, you can't come because it's sold out. But over in the 6, 7, and 8 building, we're having a premiere of the Jesus Revolution movie. It's going to be here. You can go to the theater, but you can't go the first week because it's already sold out in the theater. You need to go to the Jesus movie, the Jesus Revolution, where you see the power of God breaking through in the late 60s and 70s. And Chuck Smith has made this movie, and they're sharing it about the power, the power of Almighty God and how he rocked the nation and touched the world. And that's what America needs today is the power of Almighty God through the pew, through the pulpit, through the church. And dear friend, we must rely on the power, the dunamis of Almighty God. If, if you find yourself in a low place, if you need to pick me up, you need to remember the promises of God. You need to rely on the power of God. But thirdly, you need to rejoice with the people of God. Sometimes when you're low, you, you need the touch of the community. Finding community in Paul's life he said, I have many people in this city. Yesterday, we had the governmental prayer breakfast here. I'm always encouraged. We had 450 people here. I'm always encouraged because I see preachers from all over the place. I see lay leaders, and then I see judges and police officers and attorneys and politicians. We have Christ followers in so many hallways in this city. Sometimes you get to thinking there's nobody living for Christ. But let me tell you, they're everywhere. Paul said, I have, uh, Jesus said to Paul, I have many in this city. I'm telling you, we have many in this city. And many of them are you. Are you. Working in an office, running a business, people coming in and out. You see, the touch of God's important. Not just at church, we need him here. But we need the touch of God out there. When you go, you're supposed to light up your part of the world. And we begin to rejoice with the people of God. Paul found people at work, Aquila and Priscilla. They were tent makers. That's some of the first people he met in Corinth. He had to make a living. And there he was sewing uh, those fabrics, leathers together, making tents. And he was with them. And later you're going to find Aquila and Priscilla were not just tent makers. They were theologians. Hallelujah. When they got over there with the pilots at the end of the chapter, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, that they led a man to the fullness of the Holy Spirit of the living God. These people that were tent makers at work. Then Silas and Timothy show up. You, you find them as they come in verse number 5. They came down from Macedonia. And when they came, they took over some of Paul's work so he could devote himself fully to the work of God, to the Word of God. Thank the Lord for these co-laborers together with him. And then he preached in uh, the synagogue. And the synagogue said, out! And Paul said, okay. And he dusted off his, he said, I, I, I dust you off of me. He shook out his garment. He said, now I leave the Jews and I go to the Gentiles. 
And he went next door to the synagogue and went to Titus Justice House. He lived right next door. And Titus Justice was a worshiper of God. He found encouragement where he'd just been kicked out. He didn't have to go even a city block and he found encouragement. And then in verse number 8 he found Crispus. The leader of the synagogue got saved. Now in a Jewish synagogue in the, first, in the first century there were two people that were very important. There was the angel of the synagogue and the leader of the synagogue. The angel of the synagogue is the uh, messenger uh, is where we get angelos. It means he's the speaker. He's the preacher. He's the rabbi that did the teaching. And so he was there and then there was the leader. For our context it would be the pastor and the deacon chairman. Well, the deacon chairman in the synagogue got saved. That's Christmas. The leader, the man that helped lead out. Our deacon officers will be right here at the table tonight with me and we'll serve the Lord's Supper to you. Well, out of that synagogue, there was the Angelos. He was the rabbi, the teacher. And then there was Crispus who was the leader. And Crispus, Crispus got saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 14, Paul said, I baptized Crispus. Amen. He said, I don't remember if I baptized who else, but I baptized these and I baptized Crispus. Brother Jerry and I, we were talking this morning, Dr. Passmore, who pastored this church 17 years. He and I were talking. Sometimes somebody will walk in and we'll look at each other and he'll say, did you baptize him or did I baptize him? Did I do that funeral? Did you, do, and I, you know, sometimes there's so many after so many years, you can't remember. Well, that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He said, I baptized Christmas and he named it. But he said, for others, I can't tell you who all I baptized. I don't know exactly. Uh, but I didn't come to baptize. I came to preach the Christ. Amen. Well, Christmas, he said, I remember him. I remember that dude leading the synagogue. He got saved. And Paul said, I baptized him. And I guarantee you, if you'd have talked to him after, he'd said, I left him under just a little longer till he bubbled. Amen. Oh, Christmas got gloriously saved. Do you understand how important the people of God are? How, how important the church? We, we need each other. Amen? Amen? Boy, it's important. In this city of Corinth and in the city of Pensacola, there are lonely people that need the gospel. There are disillusioned and desperate people in Corinth and Pensacola that need the gospel. There were sailors in Corinth and sailors in Pensacola tired of drunkenness that need true faith in Christ. There were broken women from the temples. There were prostitutes in this city that need the gospel of the Lord Jesus. There were businessmen in Corinth and businessmen in our city where money could not satisfy the thirst of their soul. Yet Jesus does. There were housewives in Corinth and housewives in Pensacola who struggle for a wholesome home. And they can't find it in all they do, but they find it in the Christ. And there are young people disgusted with the corrupt culture at the University of Corinth and at West Florida. And they will only find true joy to their soul in Christ. The text ends in verse 11 with just the oddest thing. I don't, I, I believe all of the Bible, every jot and every tittle is here for a reason. I can't figure out exactly why he said this in verse 11. But after he got encouraged, it says, and he settled there for a year and six months. He stayed 18 months. I mean, usually he's just in and out. But he stayed a year and a half teaching the Word of God 
among them. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul coming to Olive Baptist Church and staying for a year and a half? Lord, what a revival. <laughs> to hear the man that wrote the book teach the book. Wow. I don't know. But something happened in Corinth. But listen now. Paul wrote two letters back to this church because this was the most godless group. They began to follow after people. They argued about the Holy Spirit. There was more dissension in Corinth anywhere else you'd find, yet Paul had stayed a year and a half. We need each other. If you're in the fifth grade or younger, I want you to stand up. Matter of fact, I want you to stand up in the pew. Get in the pew and stand up. You, you have pastors. Okay. John, come play quickly. Jesus loves the little children. And while John plays, I want all the children come right down here to me right now. Come on, all you kids, come to the preacher. Come on, hurry. You can run. Just don't run over anybody. Come on. There you go. Come sit by me. Yeah, come on. Y'all come stand, sit. Because stay kind of bunched up down here at the front. I need you right down here. Here, right down here in the front. Hey, guys, come down here in the front. Come down here and face me. All the way down here. Come on, bunch up right in here. Amen. Yeah, look at that balcony crowd coming out of there, would you? Amen. Hey, guys, down there, come on. Come on this way. Come on this way. Yeah. Yeah, amen. There's one big kid coming down through there. Y'all let me out. Okay, boys and girls. Look right here. We need each other. This church needs you. We need you to love Jesus. We need you to love the church. Need you to be faithful. Need you to make noise. Because noisy churches are good churches and children make noise and they fill up churches. And I want you to know as your pastor that I love you. And I need you. So, go ahead and clap. You're going to clap. Now, every one of you wave at your mom and daddy and get it over with, all right? Okay, now look right here at the pastor. Look right here at me. I brought you down here for this reason. I want you to know you are important to this church. We need the oldest saint and we need the youngest child within the body life of this church. I love you. So before you go back to your seat, 
I want you to come right here and gather around me and I want you to hug me before you leave. Come on. You're doing good. All right, back to your seat. Back to your seat. Back to your seat. I love you. All right. Amen. Okay, back to your seat. Back to your seat. Love you. Love you. Amen. Love y'all. Yeah. Amen. Love you. Every one of you. Love you. That's good. Hey, Elizabeth. Love you. All right. Give me a hug. Did y'all head back to your seat? Yeah, that's good. Amen. Good, good. Yeah, that's good. I messed my hair up, Elizabeth. Rachel. Catherine, mess my hair up. Mess my hair up. Go ahead and rub it. Yeah. All right. Love y'all. Yeah. Good, good. All right. Good. Hey, I like those ears. Okay. Amen. Amen. Good. Okay, you're doing good. Love y'all. Amen. Good. You're loved today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. That's good. Amen. Love you. All right. Good. Praise the Lord. Love y'all. Amen. You're doing good. Amen. Love you. Did you draw me anything today? Okay. Amen. Hey, guys. Y'all doing well? All right. Amen. Good. Good. You're the biggest guy here, aren't you? Yes. So you need to help me up. Okay. Okay? All right, here we go. Y'all going to help me up? Come on, pull. All right. We need church. And we need church that gets in the floor with kids. And we need church that gets in the floor with each other. We need folks that go across the street and get on their knees and pray with each other. That's the kind of church we need. It's the kind of church we must be because people get broken, they get down. And they just need a hug after a while. They just need somebody to say, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Paul went to Corinth. He found a broken city. He preached the gospel, people got saved, and he sent them out to the city. And he said, go love them, boys and girls, young people, male and female, old and young. Love them in Jesus' name. And church, we must be about that. Because there's folks that are kind of broken all around us. So this morning... If you're hurting and you need somebody to pray for you while John continues to play, you just get up and come. We're going to pray for you. You here need to join this family. You need to get saved. Then just come right now. We'll just wait for you for a moment. You need to come. You come. And you come like a child unto the Father. Your morning, your day, you come.